What you're about to listen to is a short 22-minute excerpt of an audio interview with Jordan Maxwell. This interview was conducted um, on Project Camelot by Bill Ryan, one of the hosts. I'm posting this uh, little excerpt simply because I found uh, his narrative so fascinating where he talks about a few synchronicities. And then at the end, um, this little excerpt concludes with a story that Jordan Maxwell shares about um, people witnessing a very strange event, uh, sort of a ritual magic event that involves a giant reptilian. It's very strange. What I find most curious here is that uh, Jordan Maxwell has spent his life doing research, research at the very fringe of you know what normal society would consider acceptable, and his life experiences are are filled with these kind of synchronicities, and uh, I just I just can't help but conclude that uh, these two go hand in hand. Uh, very curious, esoteric fringe research and a life plagued with synchronicities. Uh, this seems like a very real pattern. I have seen it in other people who do this sort of research, and I just find it fascinating. If you enjoy this short little excerpt, I would suggest listening to the entire interview. The interview is quite good, and this is also a companion to another post I just did a few days ago with another, oddly enough, 22-minute clip. The information is interesting. Please enjoy. The most extraordinary thing, I think, that's truly off the wall that, that happened to me, and I've had so many things like that, I'll tell you, but this really happened, as crazy as this sounds, this actually happened. I was spending a long weekend at a friend's house in Los Angeles up in the canyons. He had a home way up in the canyons in the mountains of overlooking Los Angeles. And I had a young friend of mine from Orange County uh, that was friends with the owner also. And so he said, well, both of you guys come up and hang out for a long weekend with us, with the family. So we did. So he gave us the top bedroom. It was a three-tier home up in the canyons, way up in the mountains, overlooking L.A. And so we had the top part, which was a big, huge bedroom, and a pool uh, pool table and all kinds of stuff up there. And we were staying there for like three or four days. Well, we went out at night, and there was a ladder on the roof at the top part. So we took some pillows out and some blankets, and we went up and took a couple of beers with us, and we sat up there and laid out there under the stars at night, just my friend and I, and talking and chatting about stuff, and I, we, I got to talking about God in the spirit world, and I have no idea why I did it. But we were both sitting up looking at Los Angeles, beautiful lights of the city, and we're sitting up on the roof, and for some reason I said, God, if you are hearing me, would you have a meteorite hit this mountain here? And when I said that, a meteorite and hit the mountain. And he was shocked, and I was shocked. And we both looked at each other. And, and for a moment, we tried to realize what just happened. And, and uh, I said to my friend, 
And I looked at him, and he says, what did you just do? And I said, I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know why I said that. And, and it happened. I said, would you hit the mountain with the media? And that very moment, boom, it hit. And the whole, all the lights in the, in, on the, on the, and Box Canyon, all the lights came on all the homes because the ground shook. And people came out with flashlights up in the hills. You could see them, and you could. Uh, people were scared. That mountain was shook. And uh, and I sat there and was amazed. Why did I say that just few seconds before it happened? That is truly amazing to me. And I have no idea in the world. It's one of those freaky things that there's no explanation for. I don't know why I said it, and I have no idea why it happened the way it did. It was truly extraordinary. The young man that was up there with me he still lives in Las Vegas. We talk about it from time to time. It's just strange stuff. Uh... Did I tell you about my friend Bob Leeds? I have a young, I have an older friend named Bob Leeds. He's a big shot in the motion picture industry. Well, that's a long story, but um, well, there's two parts of the story. It's very long. It's like that other long one. But uh, anyway, Bob Leeds. Uh, I'll tell you a short version. Bob Leeds is a good friend of mine, but he was a very well-placed uh, Jewish guy in the motion picture business in Hollywood. And he and I were dear friends, very close friends. And <clears throat> so Bob called me one morning, on Saturday morning. He said, I'm going to take you out to breakfast. Let's go out to breakfast. I said, okay. So he said, I'm going to take you to the, any, the best, any, place, any place you want to go in San Diego. It's my treat. And so I said, great. So he said, any place you want to go, we'll go. I said, okay. So he comes by and picks me up, and uh, God, I love Bob. Bob was great. And um, so I said, I want to go to, um, oh, what was the name of the town just north of, uh, of San Diego? It's a little Mexican town north of San Diego. I, I can't remember the name right now. I'll remember it in a minute. But it's a little dippy, little nothing town. North of, and he said, no, what I had in mind was going into downtown San Diego to some really nice place. And I said to him, I said, you said I could go wherever I want to go. He said, that's right. I said, well, that's where I want to go, to this little dippy little town north of here. And he said, there's nothing there. And I said, that's where I want to go. He said, okay, so we go there then. <laughs> so we get on the freeway, it's about a 20-minute drive, and so as we're driving, we were talking about stuff. And we got on the subject of people that we would love to see again, people we've known in the past that we'd like to see again. <clears throat> and I was telling him some couple of people I would love to see in my life again that I've, I've lost track of. And then he was telling me, he said, well, there's two people that fit that for me. He said, there's an old... Um, there's an old um, Native American Indian chief, Native American Indian, 
that I grew up knowing, and he was like my second father, and he said, I loved him, and I just I would give anything in the world if I could see him again, the family again. And I don't even know if he's alive, but he said, the people that knew him and knew me, I've asked them, and they don't even know where he went. He's gone. Nobody knows. And he said, that's the one man I would really like to, to see is that old Native American Indian and, uh, and his family. And he said, the other guy was a guy I went to school with and grew up with. He's, he, he became a Mormon, and he has became very wealthy. He's a, um, um, a real estate developer, construction. And he said, but I've lost track of him, and he was one of my dearest friends in my, in my life. And I've lost him too. I don't know where he went. Nobody that knew him knows either. So those are two people I'd like to see. And so we were talking about other things. So we get off the freeway and um, in this little Mickey Mouse town and we're driving through the city and there's no place to eat except uh, IHOP, uh, International House of Pancakes. Well, they're everywhere. And so I said, oh, there's an IHOP. Let's go there. That's where I want to go. And he says, Jordan, I was going to take you to a nice restaurant in San Diego, and you come up to this little town to go to an IHOP. And I said, that's where I want to go. Come on, you say I can go? That's where I want to go. He said, okay, we'll go to IHOP. <laughs> so we pull in and we park, and we go in, and the place is crowded because it's the only place in town to eat. And finally they seat us, and when we're sitting down, he... All of a sudden, his whole demeanor changed. I saw something was very, very radically wrong with him. I could tell it in his face. I could tell there was something wrong. And I said, what's going on, Bob? What's wrong? And he said, there's the old man right there, and there's my friend, the contractor, right there. Both of them. That's the old man, and there's my contractor friend. Both of them. And he said to me, I don't know how you do this, but understand from this day forward, I believe you are somebody. I have never seen this. I just got through telling you I wanted to see these two people, and out of nowhere we come up here, and here they are. So you've sold me. I don't know who you are or where you've come from or what you're doing, but there's something strange about you. And so I was amazed. And he, he had like a tears in his eyes. He got up, went over and sat with the old man. And then his, his buddy saw him. He goes over there and they're all sitting around the table talking. I don't know what's happening. I didn't know. I just wanted to go to IHOP. <laughs> so, That's a lovely story. That's a beautiful story. Incredible. Beautiful story. And he had like tears in his eyes. He came back and as we were driving home. He said, I don't know who you are and I don't know how this happened. But as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm never questioning anything again. He said, I've had so many strange experiences around you, strange stuff, but today, that was a, that took the cake today. I am totally cannot believe what, what just happened today. The two people in my life I have wanted to see, and you brought me up here to this little town out of nowhere to an IHOP, and there they both were. So, Wow. This is the cool. kind of stuff you wouldn't dare write that into a movie. I know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It'd be thrown out, you know. You'd be thrown out as the... Yeah, the Bob leads. Bob leads. A wonderful story. And, uh, Thank you.
<coughs> you said that... There was uh, something else I was going to tell you, but I can't remember. I, I, there's a whole bunch of things you were going to tell us. Oh, yeah, um, about the reptilian stuff, too. Just for, the, just for the benefit of the people uh, watching this video here, we're all kind of getting a bit giddy because it's past three o'clock in the morning here in Central Europe. <laughs> and, um, and see, I slept late, so I'm full of life right now. Yeah, I see, Jordan's doing fine. He's on bus. Yeah, I'm doing time. fine. I'm on a roll, so... <laughs> He's on at any time. He's just about ready for lunch. <laughs> right. but, um, but you said that you wanted to tell some more reptilian stories. And one of them is a staggering one, which you did tell in your September 2009 interview. And you said you had more. And oh, yeah. These are significant, in, in my own opinion, because of what you yourself said in the September interview, that it's actually quite important to rescue David Icke from being lampooned as the only person who's, quote, inventing all these stories about reptilians. And you know that these are not inventions, and you have heard many of these stories. I've, uh, I was, I've heard these stories as far back as 1959. And you even brought some of the stories to his attention. That's right. I brought some of these actual uh, uh, stories to his attention, yes. And he was very courageous in coming forth very publicly to make this into... A, and I um, think I even said that. I said that on the stage up in San Jose when David was speaking, and I was too, at a conference. And at the end, uh, at the end of the conference, there was a uh, question and answer, in which David was on the stage, and I was too. And I said at that conference, I said, I have my, I have a total, I am totally committed to the fact that there are reptile aliens here on the earth. Of that, there is no doubt in my mind. But it's not because David Icke is saying so. I've known this long before David Icke ever came into the picture. Many years ago, I have had many different stories told to me by very powerful people, people who are well-grounded, highly intelligent, well-respected people over the years have told me of their personal one-on-one -on -one encounters with reptile aliens. I have to believe when that many people that well-grounded, uh, well intelligent people tell me things like airline pilots, bankers, real estate executives who are telling me their personal one-on-one -on -one experience with alien, reptile aliens. I have to assume there must be something to it. Well, that's very good of you to publicly take some of the pressure off David because yeah. David has been ridiculed for this. So... Let's all be ridiculed for this. Yeah, more yeah. people will come forward with their stories. There's no doubt in my mind that they are here. It's one of the most important stories on this planet right now, and people need to know whatever the truth is. People need to know. And I'd love you to tell some more stories which you believe are authentic that have yes. been reported to you to, uh, to the Chronicles. I was doing a radio show. Uh, I was being interviewed. <clears throat> on the Lou Epton show in Las Vegas many years ago, quite a few years, I'm thinking maybe 89, I think it was 89 or 88, so we're talking quite a few years ago, and Lou Epton at that time, dear, dear friend, Lou Epton, I love him dearly, he was a very, very wonderful man, he's still with us, he's in Las Vegas, retired, but he had he had a major top show in Las Vegas during the morning 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 talk show. I have one in at night nighttime talk show. But Lou had but I was in Los Angeles 
and Lou called me to do an interview. And that was a two-hour show and uh, back in 88, I think it was. But anyway, in the process, I brought up the subject of the reptile aliens and my belief about the reptile aliens and what the ancient peoples of the ancient world, the Babylonians, the Sumerians, the Phoenician Canaanites, the Egyptians, especially the Sumerians, all the ancient peoples of the world talked about the reptile aliens. And so I was just, I just brought that up in passing that I think that there are reptile aliens here. I've heard too many stories and, uh, and then I told some of the stories that I had heard. <clears throat> well, after the program, I got a phone call from a guy who's, uh, who later on I found out is an extremely wealthy businessman in Las Vegas. He buys and sells hotels and commercial properties in Vegas, and he was the biggest there. And, uh, and he said to me, he said, Jordan, we listened to Lou Epton. We loved Lou Epton. So in the office in the mornings, we listened to Lou Epton on the show, and he says, uh, but this morning when you came on, we started, we got so interested in listening to you that everybody just kind of quit work for a little bit and was listening to you. And he says, and when you mentioned the reptile aliens, it shocked us. And he said, I'm a Christian, and I have five men who work for me in my office, and they're Christians, and they all belong to the same church. We all go to the same church, and all six of us are in the office, and we were hearing you th today. And he said, when you mention reptile aliens, I had to call you and tell you. We're Christians, but every year we uh, go somewhere in the world on vacation, and my company pays for everything. And he said, so I take, and all, all five families, all six families go together on a vacation somewhere. And he says, and last year, now this was like in 88, so he's talking about 87. And he said, last year we decided to go camping for a couple of weeks in Colorado. And he says, we were up in the mountains and we broke camp one morning. And we walked up to the top of this mountain we were almost there anyway at camp, and then the next morning when we broke camp, we walked up to the top of the mountain to look over the, the lay of the land, and he says that in the, out in the valley, we could see that there had been a, uh, an area that had been cleared away. It was like a realm area that had been cleared away. And there was a circle of people out there, and they were all wearing robes, and they were all holding hands and swaying back and forth singing and chanting. You could barely hear them. But he said, but it was very quiet where we were. We could see that there was some kind of a ritual dancing or, or swaying back and forth in a circle. They were all holding hands. And there was uh, obviously somebody in the middle, like a priest or something, in the middle. And he said, this is out in the middle of nowhere. That these people are out here with this thing that they're doing. And he said, we're up here in the mountains looking down on them. And he said, while we were standing there looking at them, all of a sudden, a second figure popped up out of nowhere. But it was bigger than the man that was in the middle. It's in the middle too, but it's much bigger. And it pointed up at us. 
And he said, and the, all the singing stopped. Everybody stopped and pointed. And he said, we knew we'd been had. And he said, we didn't know what was going on, but whatever it was, it just popped in out of nowhere, pointed up at us, and everybody is now pointing at us. And he said, so we figured we better just get out of here. And he said, when we turned around, it was standing behind us. That thing which was down there was already behind us. That's how quick it moved. He said, when we turned around to run, there was a reptile alien standing behind us. He said, this thing was at least seven to seven and a half foot, to maybe eight foot tall, had a, had a reptile male man's head, but it was a reptile head. It was very muscular, looked like a human body on the, on the ordinary of a human body, but a reptile body extremely muscular and he said and it was looking at us and he said uh, it has some kind of a spell on us so that the children and the women no one could move we were we were like frozen um, and he said and even nobody could say anything nobody could cry nobody could run nobody could do anything and he said we were staring at it and it was looking at us but it had control over us it had locked us so that we couldn't move, we couldn't scream, we couldn't do anything. And he said, and this thing was gazing at all of us, looking at the children, looking at the women. He said, this, this reptile alien, and he says, we're just Christians in a church. But we saw a reptile alien. This thing was not of this world. And he said, this thing was, was looking at all of us. And then he said, it looked at the men... And the look he gave us, we understood. He didn't say anything, but we knew. He was saying, I'm going to leave you alone. But when I leave here, you better get out of here. And he said, and, and he said the, the alien walked over like he was leaving. is gone. Just like they was gone. And he said, when he was gone, the moment he was gone... Everyone came back to life. And the babies were screaming. The women were yelling, screaming. Everybody came back to life. Instantly. And he says, we ran like, like we were totally out of our minds, running back to the cars. We ran down the hill, got in the cars, and the women were screaming. The children were yelling. And he says, and we drove back. And he said, it was the most incredible, horrible experience. And he says, all the guys in my office will tell you, we saw a reptile alien in Colorado. So <clears throat> when you're talking about, he says, so when you're talking about reptile aliens in the ancient world, I got news for you. There's one we know for sure in Colorado. We saw him. <clears throat> and he said, this thing ran back and it went so fast, it was just, it's gone. But that's how fast it came up behind us. We knew that we'd been spotted. We turned around and it was too late. It's already standing here. And he says, so when I hear tales now about people who have seen reptile aliens, I got to tell you, there's six families here. We all belong to the same church and I will guarantee you, we saw one. You can bet on it. So, <clears throat> and this is the, and I found out because I, I started asking questions when I was in Vegas about this man and his company. And yes, he's a very wealthy man and a very, very big company, well-known in Las Vegas for buying and selling the hotels and big, you know, big properties. 
And he said, yeah, I'm just telling you what happened to us. And uh, my suspicion, which may well be yours as well. Say it again. My suspicion, and it may well be yours as well, is that for every person who comes forward and reports a story, there are a hundred others who don't. Oh, I'm probably right. You're probably right. 